Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening. My name is Renee Sills. I'm a consulting astrologer, somatic educator, and host of the Embodied Astrology podcast. Embodied Astrology is a multidimensional learning space where we explore the many ways that astrology manifests through our lives and in our world, and we play with the synthesis and application of astrology with other modalities, including those in the realms of art, healing, and activism. If you enjoy what you hear, Please support this work by sharing our podcasts and horoscopes with your friends and networks, making a one-time donation, or signing up for one of our memberships, and make sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platforms. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Embodied Astrology. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm really, really excited to be here. Yeah, I wonder if maybe we just start with a little bit of an introduction sure. um, about, you know, who you are. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we've we've gotten to know each other a little bit through the EA space, but I'm also very curious. Yes, of course. Um, well, my name is Julene, um, but I usually people call me Yules because even for Mexican people, my name is difficult. So, um, yeah, and uh, I live in Mexico City. Um, I did my bachelor's degree on visual arts. So I am actually a visual artist, but I work on digital marketing. I have been working for about, I think, like eight years, something like that or more. And um, yeah, I'm very into meditation and wellness and stuff like that. But in recent years, I've been trying to incorporate other things into my belief system, like, for example, feminism, intersectional feminism, decolonization, all that. Yeah, all, all of that work going on. I also have a background on somatics a little bit. Um, I started in... Yeah, and doing some type of dances like Middle Eastern dances, Indian classical dances and doing yoga and stuff like that. But then I found dance therapy and I think that's when I started to go more into the somatic place. And uh, yeah, really think somatic and and what it's called embodiment. Um, I think it's a great tool that we have to tap in from now on as humanity. And also, I forgot to mention that I have been a Buddhist practitioner, and that's yeah, I, I, it's not very you know ancestral or Mexican thing to do, but I think uh, especially Tibetan Buddhism was a way to I think to reconnect to many things and also it has given space to to connect for example with shamanic practices that we we have in Mexico and we have in Latin America yeah and I joined EA because I really think the work that you do Renee combining astrology and and somatics is something very special and I think it's getting popular in, in maybe United States and, and, and Europe maybe but in Latin America this work is not very known and I think it's very interesting to to work like that yes so that's a little bit of my background that's like the brief in- introduction yeah yeah you've worked for the last several years for an astrologer right a yeah. pretty well-known yeah um yeah, how has that been for you? Because you've been working on the graphics design yeah. P- PR part, but also 
you have your own astrology practice your own study um that that's a very good question um I, i think astrology came into my life as something very unexpected i wasn't like looking for it it was like i just before like one month before the pandemic you know started i got into this digital marketing agency um and their main client is this astrologer called mi astral and she's pretty big in the latin american community um i don't know i i really thought the work was exciting because i i never done anything with astrology and at the time it, it was very I don't know I was very happy and excited to work there and I had to learn astrology it wasn't optional it was like you have to learn in order to create content and that's it mm-hmm. so, so it was like I don't know like something forced on me but I didn't feel like it was something you know, that I didn't like or I wasn't curious about. So um, I started learning and I worked for them for about two years and a half, a little bit more, I think. But I I don't know, I really started to see things, you know, like, like certain transits, how they affected somehow the collective. And also when I got to know my natal chart, um, I started to see, for example, how certain movements and planetary movements were affecting me and mm-hmm. still are. So it, it became like something very obvious, very, I don't know. It was something that, that I couldn't deny anymore. I, I tried to be a little bit skeptical about it, but I don't know, like it, it just came to a point that it was like, okay, I just... I understand. I, I see that the planets, they do have consciousness. They do have energy. They they influence like personal lives and, and also the collective. So it, it was something that, yeah, it just came came down to me. So it has been very a very rewarding experience, I think, in the end. Mm. You were, um, yeah, mentioning kind of the culture around astrology Uh in Latin America or in in Uh Mexico where you are and yeah I'm really curious because where I live I live in um you know in the U.S. in the Pacific Northwest and I feel like everybody I know knows astrology and we're all talking about it all the time and there's such a bubble that I live in like an astro bubble (laughs) Um, but sometimes I you know sometimes I travel and I leave it here and then I go to other places where it's just not the people I'm with or it's not maybe part of the culture as much and then you also mentioned you know this particular intersection of astrology that you're kind of coming into including intersectional feminism and decolonization work and how is it for you there coming into astrology in these ways and like yeah, yeah. what's the conversation that's happening here, here in Mexico. around astrology yeah yeah I think in, in Latin America we've had like this we are a very I think spiritual type of people I think because we have this um, very Catholic upbringing but somehow especially in Mexico I think we have conserved a little bit of our indigenous beliefs and ancestry a little bit and this has permeated our society so mexican people are very uh, superstitious and they can be like really 
they could go to church like every Sunday because yeah, like most people here are are Catholic, so but they do rituals and stuff too. So it's like I don't know, it's very into our culture, and uh, there there are like certain people who I don't know, they have mixed like the Catholic devotion with like um, ancient gods rituals and stuff like that so for example there's a saint called uh la la santa muerte which is the the holy death like and mm-hmm. they they worship death you know and um, but they say death is like a saint or something like that and they incorporate catholic i don't say like rituals but they at the same time they have incorporated this figure so Mexican people, they're very open to magic and magical thinking and all that stuff. Um, so it's it's not like, yeah, we're not apart from, you know, this, this whole magical and, uh, yeah, transpersonal thing going on, you know. But in terms of astrology, um, we, we have astrologers and there have been like very la- famous Latin American astrologers. One of them is Walter Mercado. He's from, I think, Puerto mm-hmm. Rico or something like that. But he was pretty big and he used to wear like this, I don't know, like this very, how to say, out of the box um, costumes and stuff like that. He used to appear using like, I don't know, smoke or something. And he he delivered like horoscopes like, hey, Virgo, this is the thing for you. And he was like, very, <laughs> yeah, very theatrical. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, astrology has been like a little bit theatrical in, in Latin America. <laughs> I don't know. There's also another person called Moni Vidente, which in English means uh, uh, Moni the Seer, something like that. And, and she also is like very theatrical and very... I don't know, no, there, there's another guy called the the Dream Architect and he he's on public and, and national TV and he's also, yeah, he brings also these, co- these costumes and he does like, a, a, he, he gives these abundance rituals and stuff like that. And people are very open to that. So that's why these, these kind of fellows, they have like uh, their spaces on public TV and yeah, and, and, and people do not have a problem with that but I think sometimes with that you know theatrical stuff going on sometimes astrology loses a little bit of its seriousness and and understand the the understanding that astrology it's something very you know it's a discipline that has been developed throughout many hundreds and thousands of years of observation of the sky so sometimes people uh, I think lose that a little bit and I think that's very important in EA because I think it's like understanding astrology as something uh, that is very alive and is not so much theatrical it's something that you can embody and that you can live with so mm-hmm. yeah, that's the whole context here at mm-hmm. Mexico yes mm-hmm. I love that I was writing down um I know uh, Walter Mercado, and he, he passed away a few years ago. There's a great movie yeah. out about him, yeah. um, but I wasn't familiar with the other astrologers. But when you were 
describing them, I was thinking about the association of the planet Mercury with astrology and with astrologers and the mercurial capacity to move between the worlds and the world, you know, the world of the dead and the world of the living or the world of the dreams and the world of the waking life and how the um, kind of dramatic representations of the mystical, you know, do take hold in our imaginations in ways that I think are culturally very important because they provide a kind of um, otherwise place for people to go, you know, where it's like, oh, there's this, this mystic figure and maybe it's silly, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to let it in, you know, because it's being given to me in this way that's kind of entertaining or um, yeah, suggestive in this more playful way. Yeah, totally. And I think, for example, in, in a few like Walter Mercado, um, he was obviously a queer person. And I don't know, at the time, Latin America has been very closed sometimes to queer spaces. And uh, I think it was his way to mm-hmm. use that mercurial energy to express, you know, his queerness. But it's like, I give you this and I'm playing right. with this. And, and people accepted that. And it, 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 I think it was a very clever also way. To, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, trickster energy, yeah. shapeshifter, mischief, <laughs> get it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, so as you're talking, you know, I'm conscious that we are actually talking about Western astrology, tropical astrology, and like the 12 signs zodiacal round that has been formulated in the tradition that you and I study, but you're also on land and, and you yes. know, in culture that has been informed by, like you said, indigenous culture and Mayan astrology. Yes. Actually, what you're coming into EA with is a workshop on a Mayan goddess. Yes. Um, who, who has some association to what I was just talking about with Mercury, right? Like this uh, figure that moves between the worlds. Will you tell us a little bit about um, about your workshop and how you've been, yeah, kind of learning and, and bringing these two different cosmologies or practices together? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention um, that, of course, um, our indigenous ancestry and Yes, honoring, for example, our Maya and other cultures, like, for example, right now in Mexico City, I am, the original name of Mexico City is Tenochtitlan in the Nahuatl language. And it means, for example, the belly button of the moon. So it's, it's, it's a very beautiful name. Mm-hmm. And the Maya culture, they they are from the south of Mexico. Actually, my family is from the south of Mexico. So that's why I decided also to, um, with this workshop about the goddess Ixchel, to honor that, that, yeah, that ancestry. But in fact, in Mexico, we do have like a lot of, uh, yeah, indigenous uh, cultures and First Nations. We have our own First Nations. So it's mm-hmm. like... I don't know how how many like we have hundreds of indigenous communities here in Mexico, and I think that's been a struggle here in 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 my country in order to preserve that knowledge and their, their ancestry and also respect them and make reparations to to them and um, because they they've also suffered a lot with colonization and and a lot of things. So also this workshop is a way to honor that and to 
give space to to those roots in, in, in my ancestry and also in my in my country and and to honor them too and uh, in terms of astrology each one of these communities have their own type of astrology but mm -hmm. for example the most popular cultures in in mexico were the maya which they're from the south and also the aztecs they were they're from the center of mexico like near mexico city and uh, there's also in the in the in the south other other cultures like the Mixteca and the Zapotec culture and the Olmeca culture. We have like a lot a lot of indigenous um, ancestry, and each one of them they they have their own type of uh, astrology, their own type of cosmology. They have their own gods and their own rituals and. Uh, what they have in common is that they, they build pyramids, most of them, and when you get to see an archaeological site, you almost all of them have an observa observatory. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember if that's the word. Like, yeah. Yeah, like a place to watch the stars. Like every culture did that, and yeah. they had their own calendars. Um, the Aztec have like their own. Yeah, their own solar calendar, the, the lunar one. They have a, even a, a calendar based on Venus transits. And also the Maya, the Maya, they have like, like very big, like, like counts of time. They, they divided times in, 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 in thousands of years. And they also, for example, had prophecies because of that. They, they had like this connection, I think, to the heavens and that's there the, in for example the maya prophecies they were popular at some point because of that because they said that in 2012 something was going to happen and yeah they have like their own you know way of yeah perceiving the skies and they they have these big um amounts of time they they call for example Bactunes, Katunes, which are like lengths of 10,000 or 1,000 years or something like that. So they, they were like very, I think, advanced for their time. And for example, they are one of, I think, the few cultures that perceive the number zero besides the Middle Eastern cultures. So mm -hmm. they had a concept for the zero and the number zero. And uh, yeah, so when we talk about this type of astrology and cosmology, it's like getting into a whole new universe. Like, and mm -hmm. in order to respect uh, the elders and the ancestors, I think the best way to approach that is to go to to I don't know certified sources and and to the communities and talk with the Maya people if you want to learn the Maya astrology or. If you're into Aztec astrology, you you talked with the Nahua community. So yeah, there's like a lot of um, resources to tap on. So uh, I think this workshop is a way for me in, in my small placement within my my country and my ancestry to yeah to honor that and to give space to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So you're working with the goddess Ixchel. Mm -hmm. Tell us about Excel. She's very popular right now. I don't know. I don't know if it's like like the whole trend of you know contacting the goddesses and stuff like that. But she has become very popular in recent years. 
And uh, I think because also there's like a lot of, you know, people from USA and Europe migrating to the Mayan Riviera and they found this figure, which is Excel. Um, but she has become very popular. And I think because uh, of her uh, qualities, because she's related to the moon, but also she's related to the to love, also to midwifery. She's also related with uh, medicine and also with uh, textiles and weaving. So she's like this very feminine goddess. So... I think many people could relate with these qualities. But what I love about her is that she's not like only, you know, this goddess that is oh, super compassionate, super benevolent. No, she also has this other side of, of her that uh, she's also the bringer of disease. Uh, supposedly, um, when Ixchel was, I don't know, like in, in the place she was in, he in the heavens, she had like 13 bases and these bases were full of disease and plague. And the last of these bases, uh, she had like the whole, the medicine to all of these no, diseases. So she was not only, you know, like this super compassionate goddess and uh, mother, motherly goddess. She, she, she was terrible in a way. And uh, she was, both like the disease and the medicine so so i don't want to fall into the binary with this but i i like that about her that she's not just one face goddess she she has like a lot of faces you know like the mm. she changes somehow and mm. um yeah she she also is has different representations like she has uh, a younger one, and it's called uh, the goddess Zero. Like I don't know why the researchers gave gave her that name, but it's the goddess Zero, and she's more related to you know to young love, to romance, to um, yeah, like um, passion romance. And there's a more elder representation of her, like yeah, like a more grown up woman. And uh, she's more related to midwifery and also to, to medicine and also textiles and weaving. So she has like different representations too. And uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's related on how the Maya culture observe their gods because when you observe the ancient like Mexican gods, they, they do not look like, for example, the Greek gods or the, I don't know, the Christian gods. They look like they're not even human in a way. Like, um, for example, Chelsea has like, uh, how do you say, like a belt made of skulls and uh, she has like, a, a, yeah, like a very big head. And the ancient gods, they used to have like a lot of feathers or fangs or something like that. They, they weren't so like, uh, they didn't look like humans, no. So mm -hmm. I think uh, the ancestors, they observed the gods like in a way they, they were terrible, but also compassionate and they could destroy things, but they could be, you know, uh, also very beneficial in other ways. So it was like, I don't know, their perception of, of divinity was very different, very, very mm -hmm. different. And Excel is like that, I think.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you were talking about her 13 vases, I was thinking about, you know, the 13 moons of a year. Like yes. Yes. the yeah, the Gregorian calendar is a uh, not a lunar calendar. <laughs> um <laughs> But a lunar calendar has 13 moons, you know, this kind of uh, waxing, waning, building, vitalizing, but then also reducing and diminishing qualities of the moon. How has it been for you to relate the moon as, you know, we talk about it at embodied astrology or in tropical or Western astrology Mm -hmm. with Ixchel and like the lunar forces that you feel with her? And also, you know, I know you've been working a little bit with Lilith and like other lunar archetypes. So yeah, how's that translation feeling for you? Well, in I think in the first place, I um, I have to be, well, I have to be very sensitive and respectful regarding Maya culture. I came in contact with this community called um, Shlakash and they're, they're very... They're near um, in the Rivera Maya. And of course, I've been trying to be very sensible on how I display Excel's information and be respectful in, in terms of cultural aspects and uh, also trying not to appropriate <laughs> their knowledge. It's like, just like my experience regarding Excel. And yeah, try to take, for example, respectful sources in order to create a workshop and yeah, be very, I don't know, be very sensitive around that. And also, uh, yeah, I have to say that I do not have, for example, an indigenous background. And that's why I contacted Shlakash as a way to repair. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to appropriate from that knowledge. I'm just giving space for that. And I have to say, for example, I am a mestiza. Mestiza means a mixture between indigenous culture and uh yeah like european culture so most of people in mexico were mestizos so um but but in 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 this work of decolonizing myself and trying to contact more with those roots and with my indigenous ancestry and also um yeah to recognize my original belief system which is you know the maya culture or the Aztec culture and whatever you know and yeah i try i just try to give voice and space to that and in terms of uh western astrology and finding common spaces with Excel, i think for example these um, these aspects between her that she's compassionate she's very nurturing she's loving she uh she's a midwife somehow and she attends childbirth and but also she brings disease she brings like pain also she she's the goddess of heartbreak and also the goddess of love so she has like these polarities um i think i relate that with selene the goddess of the moon and also dark moon lilith because she's another aspect you know the same moon Mm -hmm. And I think that's a way in which Excel she can find a middle ground between Western astrology because we have those aspects. We perceive the moon, the lunar aspects, the, for example, the ca- cancer placements, like something to nurture, to 
you know, be compassionate and be very open to emotions and expression of feelings, etc. But also when we face, for example, this dark moon Lilith and the work we have to do in Western astrology with Lilith, it's, it's also like the opposite side of exchange. It's like you have to face your own darkness and the darkness that life brings to you. And also, yeah, there's death, there's um, disease, there's other aspects, you know. So I yeah. think that has been a little bit of the work I've been doing with these uh, figures in, in Western astrology and with this exchange. Yeah. yeah, I feel like at Embodied Astrology, a lot of us kind of inhabit these in-between spaces and that's yeah. pretty much, you know, that's that's what Embodied Astrology is. Like for yeah. me, I'm a, you know, somatic practitioner yeah. and an, an artist and I'm really into astro and I I want to use all of them kind of. And I, I feel yeah. like, oh, they get better when they come together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to your point around appropriation and uh, sensitivity, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, working with in, uh, this indigenous community and the information that you're gathering or, uh, yes. you know, being offered there. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the work at EA, you know, we're interested in, what creates the meaning around astrology as much as what is the meaning of astrology yeah and like you know in the question of meaning and the kind of epistemology of the symbolism Mm -hmm. we have to be looking at history and histories of colonization and domination and imperialism and religion you know it's such a big part of of western astrology for example and you know, I love that at, at EA, we can have conversations that don't get too locked up in astrology needs to look this way. There's like infinite space for it to go Mm -hmm. in many directions. But yeah, I mean, I guess my question wasn't so much about what are the similarities between, you know, the tropical lunar energy and Ixchel, but more Mm -hmm. what's happening for you in your synthesis as you're learning about Ixchel Okay. And you're learning about the moon and think, you know, like feeling into these symbolisms, like what is, what is arising in your own intelligence? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, first of all, my relationship with the moon and the reason I chose the moon like a detonator for this workshop is like, I'm a cancer moon. So yeah, like I, I've always felt connected to this luminary and, uh, and for me, the moon has been a way to, and the work I've done with the moon in, in a somatic place, but also an emotional one. It's like to learn how to take better care of myself, how to create safe spaces for me, how to be yeah, nurturing with myself and others, and also tap into compassion and all these lunar aspects and yeah the the aspects related to cancer too and uh but when yeah meeting a figure like Ixchel is like also yeah tapping into that side from her yeah and trying not to fall too much in the binary like she also I mean she has this dual side but also there are spaces in between and I'm trying to find those spaces to 
and uh, but also embody those terrible sides of myself also and uh, understand that for example I can be yeah I can be sometimes I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say bad words or something but oh yeah I, get, I do it all the time <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. um, I can be a bitch of course uh, and I can be yeah like a bringer of disease too sometimes or something like that I think uh, the fear of Excel invites us and and myself like yeah to embrace the the light the dark and everything in between so it's it, it, it has been that type of work for me but I think um, it's very profound and I still need to keep on tapping into that and also in terms of the Maya culture I've always admired the, the Maya and I'm very grateful to give something somehow in return to, to this culture and uh, to give space to that too. And also it has been a challenge because um, it's not easy yeah, to talk about ancestry and all this type of stuff. And I've just been trying to be super respectful with that and uh yeah, but in terms of, of internal work and, yeah, somatic places, um, yeah, I've been trying to embody, like, these polarities and these in-betweens, these gray zones between, yeah, these aspects, these lunar aspects, too. So, yeah, it has been quite a challenge, too. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even just listening to you and thinking about the symbolism of Ixchel, the moon. Mm-hmm. And the the things that you're talking about, you know, like this this necessary processing of your lineage mm-hmm. and your roots, you know, it's so lunar. <laughs> it's it's like such a the moon pulls us home, and there's so much karma with the moon. Yes, and and the you know when you're saying like, oh, I can bring disease too, and it's like that on one hand is a metaphor because. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we can all be kind of toxic sometimes. Yes, and yes, on yes. the other hand, like you just talked about your um, your lineage as being both indigenous and colonizer and like literally, you know, people who brought diseases to the indigenous community. Wow, that's so mind-blowing. Oh my God. Right? And like, what is that, you know, to embody that intersection in yourself and have to work with that? Yeah as you seek reparation and, um, you know, do this work of kind of recovering in your own ancestry. Yeah, I, I think that's a work that as mestizos, we have to do like a mixed race. And I think that has been a, a very profound wound within the Mexican society, but also in Latin America, because most of Latin Americans were like a mixed race, you know. And yes, this work of you know, return to your roots, which is a very lunar thing, and also going back home somehow, which is also a lunar thing going on. Um, I think it's a very powerful work, and I think it's a thing we have to do as, as in Mexico, because the wounds of colonization here are different from the United States in terms of, for example, um, as mestizos, because we're a mixed race, we are not indigenous, and we have looked down on indigenous people here in Mexico. And uh, because it, it was like, if, if you were more 
you know, white or near to European, you know, features like you were more accepted somehow. And if you look more like uh, indigenous or yeah, something like that, you, you were excluded. So mestizos grew up like in the middle. And sometimes, for example, in Mexico, we do have things with racism towards indigenous peoples and and also between ourselves, if, if we look more, you know, yeah, more brown or something like that. So it's very, it's a very profound wound in, in Mexico. And also in terms of uh, racism, it's like if, if you look more European-like, you have more access to certain things, you know, and, and if you don't, it's more difficult for you to earn that. So we have suffered like that, in, I think, in Mexico. And this is why this work is very powerful, especially for people who have Latin American background or Latinx. It is, I think it's important to talk about that too. And uh, I think Shell could be a way to start, you know, doing that conversation or that, you know, work. I think many people have tried here in Mexico to do that. And there, in terms of, for example, intersectional feminism, there's a lot of work around that, um, also around decolonization. But I think, yeah, we, we still have a lot to do here because there's, yeah, there's a big, big and profound wound here. So, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I mean, for sure, up here <laughs> too, and this continent that we share has been so divided by... Yes. pigmentocracy and yes. anti-blackness anti-indigeneity and yeah. colonization and yeah um yeah i i feel like we could go in that direction and there's part of me that wants to follow that thread and just talk to you about current astrology but maybe i'll put that to the side just for a moment and we could come back to it and sure. and wrap up that way but but before I do, I don't want to forget to, um, yeah, ask you to introduce again Shlakash because um, part of this workshop is also a fundraiser and you're going to be yes. um, giving a percentage of, of the proceeds to them. Do you want to talk a little bit about who they are and what they do and how they're connected to this work? Sure. Um, Shlakash is, um, is an indigenous Maya community. They live in the the Maya Riviera in the south of Mexico. They're special because they have this textile technique which is related to Ixchel because Ixchel, she is also the goddess of weaving and textiles. And they claim that the way they do the weaving and the textile work um, is a metaphor, for example, the, of using the, the thread and the wool and stuff like that. It's a metaphor of the umbilical cord that connects you to the mother. And for they, the, the, the mother is Ixchel. So they have this very close relationship towards the goddess. And uh, they do also other activities. They mostly, they have, for example, ceremonies or um, other, um, yeah, other artisanal stuff going on. So they live basically from that. I connected through them, thanks 
thanks to a friend named Erika, and uh, she worked very closely with them. And she, in fact, did a documentary for them. So yeah, she she when I talked to her about this workshop and that I wanted to give back to um, yeah to a Maya community, she immediately connected me with them. So. Yeah, I'm trying yeah to display also what they do, they work, and especially the thing that they do with the weaving and textiles and the relationship we have with the goddess. It's very important and very special. Yes. Yeah, thanks. So if folks register, um, part of your class proceeds will benefit Shlakash. Yes. Yeah, I mean, okay, so going back to this thread, and I feel like you and I have had some good conversations about current astrology. Yes. Um, of course, you know, one of the things that comes up for me is Pluto and Capricorn. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, yes. So the so Pluto has a 248 year orbit around the sun and it's currently in the last the last kind of gasps of its transit through Capricorn, which happens, um, excuse me, which began in 2008 yeah. and will complete in November of 2024. It's currently transiting the natal placement or quote unquote natal placement of the United States. Yes. Um, the place where Pluto was when the Declaration of Independence was signed yes. was at 27 degrees of Capricorn. And Previous to the 1770s, when uh, the United States became incorporated, the the previous Pluto transit was actually um, the the kind of beginning of the colonial uh, takeover yes. um, theft of the Americas, and uh, you know boats landing. Um, European boats landing on the shores of what is now North and Central America and the Caribbean mm -hmm. and the kind of uh, implementation of the transatlantic slave trade. Yeah. And then before that, the previous Pluto and Capricorn cycle goes all the way back to, and on the European side, the enclosure movement, which was, um, you know, a, a movement by religious and wealthy elite to um, basically colonize the indigenous peoples of Europe and to take the, the commons and, you know, what was shared by everybody, the land um, and elements and resources and turn them into private property. Ugh. And, you know, before that, at least on a Western history and, um, yeah. you know, I am a, in many ways, typical American and I don't have a strong working knowledge of history outside of like a Western view, yeah. something I definitely need to work on, but you know, at least in the Western history, like you follow the Pluto and Capricorn cycles yeah. back through these periods of incredible um, displays of domination and separation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's separation of people from land, separation of God and nature. Like, you know, you were talking about the difference between um, the Latin American gods and the Christian gods and how, you know, yeah. the the Mayan gods, for example, are, you know, more half, half human or creature or like they're more animal or earthly. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, part of what I think the, the wound of colonialism carries is the wound of a, a, of a monotheism and also of uh, like separation of God from earth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, when you were talking about, you know, what it is to carry poison inside of yourself or disease or something. That's very Plutonian. <laughs> right? And, you know, I'm also, like, I was thinking about my ancestry and how, you know, I'm a mixed, I'm a mixed white person and like white is a monolith you know made up constructed racial category Mm -hmm. but I have ancestors who were colonizers like from western Europe sure but I also have ancestors who were indentured servants and I have ancestors who were like east eastern European origin indigenous people who who fled and were persecuted I really resonated with Mm-hmm. how you were talking about feeling into the you know these different aspects of yourself and the parts of you that you know carry disease or carry toxins and anyway all that to say Capricorn is finishing up its transit and I feel like my personal journey around reckoning with my ancestry mm-hmm. um, really ramped up when Pluto came into Capricorn Mm -hmm. and I feel like it was a time when it became a more collective consciousness Mm -hmm. space and yeah I'm just wondering like how you know how do you think this transit is affecting you and affecting culture <laughs> around you and wow did anything that I say resonate or that's, where do you go from there no that's a great question I think uh, I mean this guy Pluto he makes himself very very present in many ways and uh, I, I have like this love and hate relationship with Pluto <laughs> I don't know because he in, in my chart he's in my sixth house and uh, he's opposing my Jupiter my son many oh yeah oh, what a jerk yeah, he, he has been very, <laughs> quite a jerk for, with me. What a jerk, opposing <laughs> your son. He's an Oh, no. <laughs> and he's, well, he's creating a T-square. I have my Mars in Aquarius in the ninth house, and he's creating a T-square with Pluto in the sixth. And Pluto is opposing um, my Taurus aspects in the twelfth. So, yeah, I know that guy. So, yeah. <laughs> I think in terms of collective consciousness, I think he's, I know he, he clearly is ending many things, many structures. He's creating all these, um, I think even even what we're talking about decolonization is, I think this transition from this Pluto and Capricorn that has been moving people to, you know, to be very, into the hustle culture, into colonization, into creating money, into creating structures and power structures and stuff like that. And now that he's moving away into another thing, you see that many things are collapsing a little bit. And uh, also this questioning capitalism, I think it's also the same, you know. And I think, you know, for folks in the United States, it's very evident that things are changing. And also you're having your Pluto return. So, and he has passed like three times, I think, the, the same uh, degrees that, that the United States chart the, it was built on. So 
I don't know. I think you have been facing like a lot of things right now. And from an outsider point of view, I do recognize for the, all the work that folks in, in USA are doing in order, yeah, in terms of decolonization, questioning capitalism, uh, having, yeah, more queer spaces for everybody and, yeah, social justice, embodiment. I, you see all this movement going on and I think it's pretty evident the passing of Pluto to another state for, for people in, in United States, but also in the world because you, you see things yeah, changing in, in many countries and people who are like taking over many structures too and are questioning and yeah, we're in a very interesting time. <laughs> so in, in my personal space, I think he has been questioning some power dynamics in my relationships and uh, in Capricorn, he's on my eighth house and he's just leaving that and uh, I don't know, he, in the last few weeks, I have been going through certain situations in which um, I realized how much power I have, I don't know, given away in certain relationships and uh, the things that I have denied myself to enjoy some, sometimes because of it. So yeah. I don't know, how, how have you been feeling that or, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have Pluto's, so in my natal chart, I actually have Pluto on a, um, an angular placement. It's exactly conjunct my IC. Mm -hmm. So I also feel like I know that guy. <laughs> it never leaves me alone. <laughs> yeah. Literally like on my tailbone all the time. <laughs> um, so Pluto... Yeah, Pluto's been transiting my sixth house since it's been in Capricorn, and it's also been squaring my natal placement. So I've been going through, I'm about to turn 40, and I'm going through like a generic, you know, like a generic transit, like the Saturn return. Yeah. Um, I'm going through Pluto square Pluto yeah. right now. So, and then because I have, because Pluto is angular for me, it also means that, that mm -hmm. Pluto in transit is squaring my ICMC and it's coming up on my descendant right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm feeling Pluto. I'm feeling very Pluto these days. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, with Pluto transiting my sixth house, and I've definitely talked about this on a podcast before, it was in 2008 that I really started to become self-employed. Mm -hmm. And the sixth house is the house of jobs. And basically the journey for me to becoming self-employed was getting fired a lot and having this experience of like, nothing is working and I'm unemployable mm -hmm. and I have to create my own thing. Um, I should also say that I have Saturn Pluto conjunct in my chart. So uh, the, you know, my, sixth house is also ruled it's ruled by Saturn but Pluto is right there so yeah it kind of it it has been um a period of time in which I've really gone through a process around employment and money and business and capitalism and having 
a business in the United States and what that means on a legal level, on a functional level, on a socio-political, cultural level. Yes. Um, as, you know, I started, I started Embodied Astrology in 2014, but it was in 2008 that I started kind of teaching online and trying to put my own things together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the journey of, I feel like a lot of creative people go through this, you know, the journey of taking something that I love and trying to turn it into the thing that I do. Yes. is so painful. It's like such a, it's such a heartbreaking experience because in, in capitalism, you're not allowed to love anything except for money. Yes. Yes. You know? And so like the, these, these ways of being that I cherish now all of a sudden become monetized and I have to promote them and I have to make them fit in whatever fucking corporate branding box and make them fit in the shapes of the software programs that I'm using to get people to sign up and sell things. And, you know, I found myself very uh, entrapped in the structures of business and now at the end of the cycle, I feel really proud of myself actually and feeling like I've done a lot of transformation and honestly like hacking of a business model. And yes. EA is becoming um, you know, a very co-led place ultimately. And hopefully by the time Pluto hits my descendant, which I use a Placidus chart, so it's still a couple years away. I'm a six-degree Aquarius descendant. Mm. But hopefully by that time, my my desire is that, you know, I actually want to form a business that mm. I give away. And my um, my background, what or one piece of my background is in a kind of art practice called social practice. Mm. And I've been really compelled by artists who create who create things to give them away. For example, an artist um, who I admire named Darren O'Donnell created a theater company with kids. And then he, he gave the company to the kids mm-hmm. and then they ran it, you know, and then they decided what to do with the money. They decided to program and da da da. So yeah. for me, you know, embodied astrology is not something that I own. It's like a, it's a, it's a longing that I have to experience astrology in a very multi-dimensional embodied way and community. Yeah. That, and, that, sorry to interrupt. That sounds very Pluto and Aquarius for me. Right? Like, yeah. So I, I mean, I feel like that's where I'm moving. Yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the goal I think is to get to the Aquarius part is to get the systems you're ready. Right, you're on the right track. I think well, what you. I hear. Yes. Yes. Totally. Thank you. Well, thanks for being part of this experiment. You, um, yeah, I've been a really, I don't know, joyful part of my embodied astrology experience. You were in the, your chart is a body cohort and you've been present at a lot of workshops and tea times. I'm really happy to be part of EA. And I think I've met very, yeah, special people like you, Renee. And, and, and I think what you're doing, like, yeah, taking somatics and astrology is not something that you pull out of the hat 
any day you have to build something and and having this project for everybody i think it's it's very noble and i'm very happy for that and to be part of that thank you mm. thanks jules no thank you rene Embodied Astrology has so much other stuff going on, and our podcasts and horoscopes are just the surface. In our memberships, we also offer a variety of transformational, exploratory workshops with a range of brilliant and diverse teachers, weekly Embodied Astrology movement and meditation classes, a monthly conversation and tea time sharing space, study groups, and more. Our membership offerings are all sliding scale, and we offer additional scholarships for those who need. Keep in touch by signing up for the Embodied Astrology newsletter, following and subscribing to the podcast on your favorite listening platforms, and follow us on Instagram at Embodied Astrology. Your donations and memberships sustain this work, and we are so grateful for your support. Find more information about our membership options or make a one-time donation from the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening.